<laughs> yes, we are. I couldn't be happier about it. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, this is your broadcast. As heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, up in Oregon, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove. I wonder if those Patriot Movement uh, blockaders are able to hear us today. Hope so. Hi, guys. 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. And, of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR in Nashville, and, of course, Radio Sputnik five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Glad you could join us for another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. I am live in studio today at uh, at KPFK uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, good to be back after after the holidays. We've already been back on the air, but this is my first chance to be at uh, at the studios here at KPFK live. Therefore, my hope was to try to get to some calls with you today, but I've had so much breaking news just on the way over to the studio that who knows if we'll get to those calls or not. But if you want to try, get in now, get in line. I'd, I'd really love to hear from you in this new year. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, wanted to find out if y'all had any thoughts on Obama's executive action on guns. For it? Against it? Why? Why not? Uh, Also, it's a new year, so I was going to ask what you're looking forward to in the new year and what you are not looking forward to this year. So if you want to ring in on any of those things or anything else, get on in and we'll see if we get to it. You may have to hold on the line for a bit because I got a lot to cover, including the breaking news. Uh, that's uh, 818-985-5735, including the breaking news, uh, a couple of items here as we go to air. One, California Governor Jerry Brown has now declared a state of emergency out here to help with efforts to quell a calamitous methane gas leak near Porter Ranch in Los Angeles County. We talked about uh, this. Actually, uh, Nicole Sandler sitting in for me, guest hosting Uh, I think it was on Monday or last week, at some point over the holidays, she talked with the Environmental Defense Fund about this horrific natural gas leak out in Porter Ranch. We've talked about it on this show ourselves before as we drove past it a a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago, accidentally out on the highway. And we're like, man, what stinks? Oh, look, it's a sign for Porter Ranch. That's how bad it is. In any event, we now have a state of emergency 
declared by the governor out here as these uh, plumes of natural gas continue to pour out uh, from this natural gas facility. Uh, And it can't be stopped. Southern California Gas, the company that owns the natural gas storage field where the leak occurred, has relocated uh, some 2,500 families who live near the field and has uh, 1,800 families waiting to be relocated. Residents are reporting nosebleeds, headaches, nausea, and so forth. This is going on since the leak began in October, and the company has not been able to kill it. KP. BS is today reporting that the amount of methane that has poured into the atmosphere is the equivalent of using up 53 million, million tanks of gas. Attempts to stop that leak have so far failed. Uh, They've tried several times to do that. It now has become officially the worst gas leak in California history and reminiscent of the 2010 BP Deepwater Horizon oil spill. That disgorged some 210 millions of million, million gallons, 210 million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico until it was finally capped after three months. Same thing here. They keep trying to cap it. They can't do it. Now, natural gas... Uh, is not as ugly as uh, as oil. You can't see it. You can't smell it, except for this uh, odorant they put in there uh, so that you know there's a natural gas leak in your house, and uh, it is that odorant and benzene and other things that are leaking that uh, are making a lot of people sick out there. Uh, about uh, not even an hour uh, outside of Los Angeles, as I recall. Um This is up in Aliso Canyon is where it is. Uh, I was hoping to cover it. uh, We got some more details on what's going on up there. I was hoping to get to it later this week, and and I still will. Um, But in the meantime, uh, now 67,000 pounds of methane, the climate-changing gas that's even worse than carbon for climate change, uh, 67,000 pounds ha- of this gas has been erupting into the air each hour. It's now going to take SoCal Gas another three or four months to complete a relief well in order to kill the, uh, the, uh, the, the well that has the leak, which was originally built, I think, in, 1950, in the 1950s. So that's your fossil fuel infrastructure at work. What could possibly go wrong? California now under a state of emergency uh, in order to try to uh, deal with that leak. Also breaking on the way over here, speaking of fossil fuels and frankly, speaking of the the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which we've been trying to warn you about on this program for a long time. Uh, here's a story that uh, puts both the uh, Keystone XL pipeline and the TPP in perspective. The company behind the Keystone XL pipeline has now filed a legal challenge to the rejection of that pipeline, contending that uh, President Barack Obama violated NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, in killing the project. The company, TransCanada Corporation, also filed a separate lawsuit charging that the Obama administration uh, violated constitutional authority in their November decision to deny the permit to the company to build that Keystone XL pipeline that would uh, ship filthy, dirty tar sands cruise, uh, crude down through the uh, U.S. and to the Gulf of Mexico for shipping elsewhere. 
So uh, that's what's going on. Uh, this legal challenge under NAFTA, TransCanada is seeking monetary damages that could number in the billions for what it alleges is an arbitrary rejection by the White House that was made uh, more for symbolic reasons to bolster Obama's fight against climate change, according to the suit. But this is what we have been warning you about when it comes to NAFTA, when it comes to TPP, and this sort of extra uh, judicial process that can take place under these trade agreements that, uh, you know, frankly, the courts have not. I think it was just before the, uh, the, the end of the year, maybe on our, on our last show, we had Lori Wallach, a public citizen, uh, talking about how a different uh, trade agreement, the WTO, had fined uh, the U.S. a billion dollars a year because of our meat labeling requirements here. Both Canada and Mexico had challenged our laws. We were fined in this extra judicial court a billion dollars a year. And so what did Congress do at the end of the year? They said, well, we don't want to pay that billion dollars. We'll change the law. So the country of origin meat labeling uh, laws that we had in place that were very popular that tell you where the hell your meat is coming from. That's over. That's over. That was ended at the end of the year in the big omnibus bill. It was signed by Barack Obama, and it was because of this trade agreement uh, and the WTO. So we keep warning you about TPP. Uh, we'll see if uh, if people uh, pay attention because it's only going to get worse under TPP. All right, so that's a, a bit of the uh, breaking news. Uh, recently, our old friend David Cobb, uh, formerly the 2004 Green Party presidential candidate, now heading up the MoveToAmend.org effort to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court's horrible Citizens United ruling. Speaking of things we warn you about, allowing unlimited corporate money in elections, um, his uh, move to amend.org is working to amend the U.S. Constitution. And David Cobb appeared on the broadcast with our guest host, Nicole Sandler, who was filling in for us over the holidays to discuss the group's progress towards their goal of getting that constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United, to stop allowing unlimited corporate money in elections. They hope to amend the Constitution to read... As such, Section 1, the rights protected by the Constitution of the United States are the rights of natural persons only, artificial entities established by the laws of any state through the U.S., uh, established by the laws of any state, the United States, or any foreign state shall have no rights under this Constitution and are subject to regulation by the people. Imagine that. Through federal, state, or local law, the privileges of artificial entities shall be determined by the people through federal, state, or local law, and shall not be construed to be inherent or inalienable. That's Section 1 of the amendment that they hope to add. And Section 2, money is not free speech. Federal, state, and local governments shall regulate, limit, or prohibit contributions and expenditures, including a candidate's own contributions and expenditures, to ensure that all citizens, regardless of their economic status, have access to the political process and that no person gains as a result of their money substantially more access or ability to influence in any way the election of any candidate for public office or any ballot measure. Federal, state, and local governments shall require that any permissible contributions and expenditures be publicly disclosed 
the judiciary shall not construe the spending of money to influence elections to be speech under the First Amendment. That is uh, the effort, that is the amendment that Move to Amend would like to add to the Constitution in order to uh, overturn Citizens United and other similar uh, decisions by the Supreme Court. It is, of course, a tall order, but that's the effort. And there's a lot of people around the country working towards exactly that. David Cobb on this program noted that dozens of jurisdictions around the country are taking to the ballot box scores, hundreds, in various ways to express their interest in overturning Citizens United. Here's David Cobb uh, earlier this week. What we're seeing is our, our grassroots organizing actually bearing fruit. And I want to be clear, we didn't start uh, lobbying Congress because we know that you have to build a grassroots movement before you can really exercise power. We've also helped 16 states pass resolutions of support of men. We've also helped 600 communities pass resolutions of support. We've done the work of putting it on the ballot in over 300 local communities right. where actual ordinary people get to vote on whether they support a constitutional amendment to abolish corporate constitutional rights and money of speech. We haven't mm-hmm. lost yet. That was David Cobb of MoveToAmend.org with Nicole Sandler on the broadcast uh, over the holidays. Well, one of the places where actual ordinary people, uh, as David uh, described it, where those people did not get to vote on whether they supported such a constitutional amendment to abolish corporate constitution, constitutional rights uh, and, and money in speech is here in the great state of California. We didn't get to vote for it out here because... In 2014, the state Supreme Court wouldn't let us, even though the state legislature had voted to allow a measure onto the November 2014 uh, ballot asking whether or not the voters of California wanted the state legislature to adopt a proposal to overturn Citizens United. We were not allowed to vote on that. The state Supremes blocked the effort in its tracks just before the election back in 2014. As we reported uh, in August of 2014 at bradblog.com, the Overturn Citizens United Act, or Prop 49, will not appear on California's ballot this November, after all. This was back in 2014. Uh, The unusual, quote, advisory measure was placed on the ballot very recently by the California state legislature. It called for Congress to propose an amendment to the United States Constitution to overturn the infamous Citizens United decision and its progeny and to make clear that the rights protected by the U.S. Constitution are the rights of natural persons only, but... The state Supreme Court in California, which is dominated by five Republican appointees, one Democratic appointee, intervened at the time to remove the measure from the 2014 general election ballot. As Ernest A. Canning wrote at the Brad blog in a follow up to that matter back in March of 2015, The California Supreme Court got it completely wrong. They erred in their decision. They misinterpreted a U.S. Supreme Court precedent, or at least that was the argument at the time submitted by a group called Free Speech for People and several other advocacy groups uh, in response to uh, to the state high court's 2014 ruling disallowing the voters from expressing their opinion about Citizens United out here in California. Well, this week, almost a full year and a half, 
<laughs> After they struck it from the ballot originally, the California Supreme Court has now finally made its ruling in response to the challenge that they got it wrong when they removed Prop 49 from the ballot back in 2014. So here to talk about this now and explain what the hell happened, what the hell will happen, and frankly, where the hell he has been, uh, is our old friend, attorney, political scientist, and Bradblog.com's longtime legal analyst, uh, we'll explain why we haven't seen or heard much from him at the Brad blog or even on the Bradcast of late. We'll talk about that in a bit. But first, welcome back to the Bradcast, my friend, Ernie Canning. How are you, sir? Thank you, Brad. Happy New Year. Uh, and to you. Uh, good to talk to you. All right. Well, it looks like you had it right, Ernie, back in your article in, uh, in March of 2015, detailing how the California Supremes erred in their 2014 ruling about this thing. Uh, before explaining the latest ruling that now may get this thing back on the 2016 ballot, why was this issue so controversial in the first place? What was the why did the California state uh, legislature, who has the right to put this to put initiatives on the ballot if they choose? Why was this one nixed by the Supreme Court, uh, the California Supremes back in 2014? Well, they relied on a case, uh, uh, 1984 decision uh, that uh, American Federation of Labor versus you, which had uh, kept a, a measure off the ballot because it would have forced members of Congress to either uh, um, propose uh, this amendment to the Constitution mm -hmm. or forego their salaries. So it wasn't really an advisory measure. And that's where their error really was made, because uh, that case really should not have been controlling in this. And they don't, they don't come out now and say, well, gee, we made a mistake, but they, they do acknowledge that that was not a final decision at the time. And now that they've actually analyzed the, uh, 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 the precedents, uh, they realize that, um, that their, uh, the legislature had a right to do what it is. Uh, a couple of important things on this decision. First, it doesn't establish that the people of California can can use the initiative process to place an advisory measure on the ballot. You can't, and and this matter could not have been uh, come about as a result of the uh, initiative process. But so that, well, let me let me Ernie, let me just get that uh, straight. So what you're saying is, in the previous case, uh, what they decided was the controlling uh, case in this matter back in 2014. They looked at another uh, a measure that was an advisory. It said. Uh, if you uh, the state legis if the people voted for it, the, the, the state legislator must do this or that. If not, they will lose their salary. This measure, however, did not do that. It simply advised the state legislature. It said, hey, we the people would like you to uh, pass a bill recommending that the U.S. Congress overturn Citizens United. There was no penalty that they faced. It was merely an advisory measure. And is that what has now been found constitutional, that we are, in fact, allowed to put advisory measures onto the ballot? Yes, as a matter of fact, that has been uh, constitutional in California and, and actually in the United States from the beginning. And, uh, in fact, in this in this court ruling, they mm -hmm. pointed out that in 1892, there was a plebiscite in, in California in which 93% of Californians voted in favor of what ultimately in 1913 became the 17th Amendment, which is direct election of U.S. senators. And it was strictly an advisory measure. The legislature went to the people and said, well, how do you stand on this? And they, they basically said, well, you know, we want it. 
and, and, and you, you think about that when you think in terms of, uh, of the impact uh, in Congress. I know you mentioned David Cobb's uh, reference mm-hmm. to Congress, but consider the fact that if something similar, if we had somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of Californians who voted, uh, who, who voted on, on whether or not uh, Citizens United should be uh, uh, overturned and, uh, and that the Constitution only, uh, rights only apply to natural people, which is what this measure was, mm-hmm. if you got 80 or 90 percent, well, any representative from California is going to be hard-pressed to explain why they are not supporting a constitutional amendment, mm-hmm. uh, and and it could it could be then become an electoral issue, and that's why we have a democracy. Is you're supposed to you know be able to 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 challenge your representatives on issues like that. So, what what the court ruled in this case is that the um, the legislature has a right to uh, to seek an advisory uh, uh, opinion from the people as part of its investigative powers. Uh, with anything that it has powers on, and it's not limited to simply passing laws, because the legislatures have, from the beginning of the republic, and I'm talking about not just California, but mm-hmm. but the United States Republic, have often, uh, 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 you know, passed measures trying to influence the members of Congress to to exercise their their uh, Article Five power to amend the Constitution. You cited back in uh, again, this was in March of 2015, last year, early last year, uh, in in the challenge uh, to that original 2014 decision that uh, it's been in the Constitution out here in California since 1849 that uh, the right of the people to instruct their representatives. Uh, shall be shall that shall be in there that shall have the right to freely assemble together to consult for the common good to instruct their representatives and to petition the legislature for redress of grievances and then in 1911 when this state adopted the referendum process where we could put measures onto the ballot direct uh, issues like this uh, and then in subsequent uh, revisions of the state constitution, the right to instruct language has always been there. It's there today. It seems pretty clear that the uh, Supreme simply got it wrong back in 2014. And uh, now with their new decision, does that mean, Ernie Canning, that we will finally get to vote out here, whether it is our opinion that the l- state legislature should pretty please ask Congress to amend the constitution? Well, here's the problem. Uh, one of the provisions in the bill that was passed by the California legislature, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe was, uh, well, I don't have the number in front of me, but the the, uh, the Senate bill, oh, SB uh, 1272, specifically right. directed the Secretary of State to place uh, this measure on the 2014 ballot. Because um, the that is no longer possible, uh, it appears likely that we will have to go back to the legislature and uh, and get them to reenact this statute mm. <laughs> uh, in order to place it on the November 2016 ballot. I know that MoveOn circulating an email trying to get their members to press uh, Alex Padilla to place it on the November ballot, but I Sec- don't think the Secretary of State has authority to do that unless the legislature now reenacts yeah. this this statute. That's Secretary of State Alex Padilla who has to make that decision, I guess. But it, yeah, it sounds like it's going to have to go all through the process again. 
I mean, and it underscores how long it takes, how easy it is to jam up the system. I mean, we've seen this, you know, over these uh, these photo ID voting restrictions, Ernie, that you've covered for so many years at Bradblog.com. And now we're seeing it in this case uh, very quickly. So once this passes through, if it passes through once again, California may finally be able to uh, to vote on this, but it's going to take another act of uh, of the state legislature, and it's going to take uh, the signature of the uh, of the governor. Why was this challenged as you see it in the first place? Maybe a better way to ask this question, Ernie, is uh, who is the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association? They were the ones who challenged this thing. Uh, why did they challenge it? Well, they. Keep in mind that Howard Jarvis um, uh, Taxpayer Association dates back to Prop 13. They were, uh, they are basically uh, right-wing Republicans that um, aren't not necessarily um, uh, pro-democracy, and uh, so they, they they were making the argument, and, and you know the arguments uh, mm-hmm. basically relying on the U case, and and the real problem was that. The, the matter did not get adequately briefed the first time around, and frankly, the uh, uh, the California Supreme Court uh, just flat out missed it. I, I, uh, this time around, the, the the vote was six to one uh, uh, that this this is an appropriate matter. Uh, Justice Liu was the only one that. Uh, uh, that uh, uh, dissented. The uh, interestingly, I note that the L.A. Times story reporting on the uh, uh, California Supreme's new ruling points out that uh, they say, "quote The Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association had argued that advisory measures would clutter the ballot." Okay, clutter the ballot. I guess it's too much clutter. We can't figure out what's going on with this cluttered ballot. Well, that was uh, when this was reported, uh, I think, uh, two days ago. The very next day, the L.A. Times editorial board posted an editorial headlined, quote, don't crowd the ballot with Citizens United advisory measure. Taking the very language of the Howard Jarvis uh, Taxpayer Association, uh, that's your that's your liberal media for you, Ernie. That's your liberal L.A. Times. Well, there was a, then a, an article from our friend uh, Rick Hassan this mm-hmm. this morning in the L.A. Times, where he is. You you realize he's against an amendment to. Uh, uh, to the U.S. Constitution to overturn Citizens United, he thinks that our that that the, the that it's wrongheaded and that what we ought to be doing is um, uh, is is simply waiting for the next president to appoint uh, new appointees to the Supreme Court to uh, uh, to overturn Citizens United. Well, the, the the problem with that is that Rick is basically taking a position that's contrary to the U.S. Constitution itself, which is that it specifically recognizes that there are times where the Constitution will need to be amended if, we're, if the government, if, if this kind mm-hmm. of thing happens. And uh, he, Rick is particularly concerned, he says, about uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the possibility of a new uh, constitutional convention, which would be of the states directly, two-thirds of the state call for a constitutional convention, and then uh, then they would they you know it would be unwieldy and maybe they'd come up with something that they weren't instructed to at the convention. Well, that still would have to be ratified by three fourths of the state. So that's not really the you know the problem. And I think that Rick's bigger problem is an aversion to something that's in the Declaration of Independence. 
that specifically talks about, you know, the governments are supposed to be uh, for the purpose of protecting life, liberty, and and, and so forth, and that uh, uh, Jefferson specifically wrote that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter and abolish it. So this really goes to the essence of government and whether the people should have a voice in their own government. Well, and to be fair, I don't want to mischaracterize, uh, not that you did, but I, 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 you know, since you're characterizing Rick Hassan's argument, he's a uh, UC Irvine law professor and an expert in uh, constitutional law, election law, I should say. Um, uh, since he's not here to respond, you know, he, like so many of us, are trying to figure out, well, what is the best way to clean up this mess from the Supreme Court? And, uh, you know, right now, nobody really knows how to do it, how to go about it. Even Move to Amend, the group which I, you know, support their efforts, David Cobb, uh, you know, even they have several different versions of an amendment and how to get it passed. It's just a mess. And but you know what? Democracy is messy. The problem becomes when we can't participate in our democracy, when we're not even allowed to vote on something like this. Hopefully that is now corrected and California will get at least some say in this process uh, before the end of this election year. Ernie, I'm running late. I got just a minute or two here. But you ha- since I mentioned this at the top, you haven't been writing a Brad blog lately and thus you haven't been on broadcast much to talk about your articles of late either. So uh, it's because you are, for the time being, uh, taking on another role for a while. Tell us about that role, Ernie Canning. Well, I'm technically listed as a um, senior advisor to the um, National uh, Veterans for Bernie um, Sanders. Uh, Veterans for Bernie is actually what, what the title is, uh, organization. Mm-hmm. So, um, um you and I, I guess, have a disagreement because you you feel that uh, uh, you need to maintain your journalistic uh, independence. Um, my problem is that I see it, uh, frankly, I, I don't see any way that you can be supportive of democracy as you stren- strenuously are, and in this election, mm-hmm. not be somebody directly supporting Bernie Sanders and no one else. Well, uh, you know, when it comes just to re- respond to that, and, and, and by the way, of course, you continue to be uh, welcome. I'd always love to have you at bradblog.com, uh, but figuring out how to do it when you're actually a proponent of one candidate over another, when in fact at Bradblog, as you know, Ernie, because uh, you've been a part of this, we go to bat not for any particular candidate, but for the voters. And, uh, you know, to that end, we need to, uh, you know, stay open, whether it's Bernie, whether it's Hillary, whether it's a Republican, whether it's Donald Trump and his supporters. We will go to bat for them. Uh, so anyway, I, I didn't want to get into the to the to, to the weeds here. But uh, I just wanted to let people know that that's why we haven't seen much from you lately. I hope we get to see from you soon. I think it's fantastic, frankly, that you're working with Bernie Sanders. I support your effort uh, in that. And I, to that end, let me ask you real quickly. I talk to people who, uh, you know, who like Bernie a lot, but they don't think he can win. My parents, I saw them over the holidays. They were just one example. And I told them about this recent CNN uh poll just before the holidays, finding that while Hillary Clinton beats Donald Trump in a head-to-head matchup by seven points, Sanders crushes Donald Trump by 13 points, more than uh, twice the, the, the margin that Hillary Clinton would beat him by. And I, you know, I don't know if that would, uh, 
will be true uh, if they both become the respective party's nominees. But the point is, right now, it suggests that Sanders does much better in a general election than people seem to understand. Uh, why do you think that is? And, and why is it that people don't seem to understand that, that a lot of people look at it and say, eh, I don't think Bernie has as good a chance of winning as does Hillary Clinton? Well, I think that Bernie doesn't have as good a chance of winning as the product of what you and I have talked to before about the, the democracy deficit, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically a, a mainstream media canard. Um, the, all the polling, and particularly Quinnip, Quinnipiac, shows that Sanders runs stronger against uh, every Republican candidate than does Hillary Clinton. One of the major issues is that he actually can attract a good number of uh, uh, Republicans and independents, and uh, we've been seeing that. I saw today, and it was almost disturbing, There's, and it's early on, but the Politicus is conducting a, an online poll that on that online poll, 75%, or seven, no, I think it was 70%, 70% of the Sanders supporters so far have said that if Hillary Clinton is nominated, they won't vote for her in the general election. So I don't know if that means that they would vote for uh, Jill Stein, uh, the Green Party candidate, or, or what they plan to do, but um, there is a, a significant consensus among a number of uh, Sanders uh, uh, supporters that the choice is really between a continuation of oligarchy or, or, or democracy. Uh, mm. If you take, for example, just the Coke, Charles Koch, at the time that, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things that are better now than they were when, when, when Obama took office. But in 2009, Charles Koch had a network of, net worth of $16 billion. It's now nearly $50 billion. Yep. So and, yep. and the more money that concentrates in the hands of few, the more mischief they can create through uh, uh, our increasingly calcified uh, 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 electoral system that uh, that Chomsky decides is a plutocracy that retains only the superficial trappings of democracy. Which underscores, by the way, the nerve, the nerve, the unmitigated gall of the Koch brothers uh, to complain about Barack Obama uh, when they have when their net worth has what tripled since he's been in office. They shouldn't be complaining about him. Him. They shouldn't be spending millions to defeat him and his agenda. They should be sending him. Thank you cards, brother. Anyway, Ernie Canning, uh, political scientist, attorney, longtime legal analyst at bradblog.com. Hope he will be back soon, even while he's out there in the fight for Bernie Sanders right now. Ernie, great to talk to you, my friend, and uh, let's try to do it again soon. Thanks, Brad. You bet. All right, we got we got to take a quick break, and we will be back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? 
Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Yes, it is raining again here in Southern California. It is unbelievable, but it has been raining now, uh, what, two days in a row? In the midst of the worst drought this uh, state has ever seen, Desi Doyen, the rains have returned. Yes, the rain has returned to California. And they say it never rains in California. The girls always warn you. Oh, yeah, there you go. But it pours. And it pours. And it is pouring, and it is great. Uh, And, uh, of course, I don't know that it is anywhere near uh, the ability to to solve our our, uh, worst drought in the state's history. Oh, it won't. It won't. No, not not this one. Not the, it's unlikely. Let's say okay. uh, the current thinking is that it is unlikely that this El Nino, in and of itself, will deliver enough moisture to California to completely eliminate the drought because we're on a three or four year deficit. So it it could be enough. That would be really dangerous as far as mudslides and floods and stuff go. But uh, it seems unlikely. That is, of course, Desi Doyen, our uh, our producer here, my co-host on the Green News report and Desi we've got no and I by the way I told you we were running we were going to run late today with a lot of stuff uh we will still try try if we can to get to some callers at 818-985-5735 give us a call uh we'll try we'll try try. I'm going to try but uh with all that said no green news report today uh as we're just getting back up to speed after being on the road for the holidays uh, largely just because you're too lazy to do one. That's what I'm saying, Desi. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go sick. with that. Yeah, and you're a little sick. So, but uh, no sooner did we finish our, our our last Green News report for the year, our year in review of 2015, and uh, stand down for the holidays. No sooner did we do that than the climate and weather went absolutely nuts across the country and even across the globe uh, conveniently it was right in the middle uh, right in the middle of the holidays so this was convenient for the media uh, as well as for elected officials who don't want to have to notice how bad this is getting here is just a quick roundup of what happened at year's end uh, it, it, just all across this country, while well, nobody was paying attention. In New York City, on Christmas Eve, Central Park hits a record 72 degrees on Christmas Eve. It hits 66 degrees at 1 a.m. on Christmas morning. That's at night. Right. In the middle of winter. Yes. 67 degrees. That's Los Angeles temperatures. Yeah, no kidding. Well, meanwhile, out here in uh, Los Angeles, it was cold. We had high winds. Wildfires closed the 101 freeway. Uh, across the country, we had warm wet, warm winter weather all across the country. Heat records were broken in hundreds of towns across uh, the eastern half of the uh, of the US in Alabama, Mississippi and Tennessee tornadoes killed 17 people in Texas it was 80 degrees on the day uh, the day after Christmas on the 26th of December there were nine confirmed tornadoes that hit the Dallas suburbs in Garland and Rowlett Texas killing 11 people and Desi Doyne your sister uh, and her husband uh, were just missed. Literally, yes. four houses 
Away from the destruction, yes. I mean, she was in the shower and she said, oh my God, I think that's a tornado. And it passed over her house. She said, as she described the whole thing, it's just like they say, freight train sound. But yeah, the people next door to her and just down the street Mm -hmm. from her, their houses were wiped away. A tornado in Texas in December. Very rare. Uh, it happened. Yes. Well, it it, it happened, like and that. it was deadly. Uh, winter storm Goliath killed at least 19 others from New Mexico to Maine at the same time as the tornadoes were were hitting in Dallas. Uh, the blizzard in uh, New Mexico killed an estimated 30,000 cattle in New Mexico and in West Texas. Meanwhile, in my home state of Missouri, you were out there in your home state of Texas. You just missed that tornado by yes. a day or so. Uh, but uh, in Missouri and Illinois, torrential downpours, 10 inches in three days over the holidays, record flooding that killed 32 people. <sighs> A historic and unseasonable flood has brought the highest flood level ever recorded to the Mississippi River south of St. Louis. And you have these people, these right wingers, you know, pretending that, oh, ISIS is going to get them. We've got to do something about ISIS. Climate change. Uh, who cares about that? You know, deaths already just over a matter of days over the holidays in state after state after state. And then, of course, overseas uh, in UK, northern England had torrential rains and floods. Still gone going. Too. Still going. Uh, thir- 13 inches of rain fell in 24 hours in one town. Uh, the new flood control control infrastructure that they built that they installed after record flooding three years ago. Guess what? That new flood control failed not enough for a climate-changed world. Damage to uh, Brit, uh, the British economy was estimated at $8.6 billion U.S. dollars. And El Nino, which is happening this year, and after three years of promising El Nino conditions, is finally striking. El Nino is not likely a factor in the U.K., as historical evidence suggests its influence is fairly weak in that part of the world. I could go on and on. The North Pole hit above freezing temperatures for only the second time in recorded history. And that's, of course, in midwinter. Full darkness. Full darkness, and the temperature at the North Pole goes above freezing. Nothing to worry about here. Uh, Ethiopia, Malawi, deepening drought, projected 20 million will need food aid and humanitarian assistance. Of course, when it is covered on uh, U.S. media in any way, shape or form, uh, they do anything. They do anything but talk about climate change. Uh, In this case, oh, it's not climate change. What climate change? It's El Nino. Here is MSNBC over the weekend, just after New Year's, I think. uh, Sarah, what's her name? Sarah Daloff. Daloff. Yeah, of MSNBC, introducing a segment talking about all of these people that were dying from rains, floods, wildfires, tornadoes uh, across the U.S. uh, over the holidays. Warnings are coming from across the globe that this year's El Nino weather system could be the worst ever. The Oxfam aid agency overseas is estimating the number of people worldwide who may need food and humanitarian assistance rather could be in the tens of millions. Back here at home, despite the devastating storms across the country the last few weeks, NASA is forecasting the worst is yet to come. They say El Nino will cause, quote, weather chaos these next few months. Yes, El Nino will cause record chaos these next few months. You know what else will these next few months and these next few years? Climate change. Global warming. That's what we have been warning you about. But on MSNBC, oh, what is Oh, it's just El Nino. 
Nothing about climate change. Well, thankfully, our old friend Dr. Michael Mann was the guest on that uh, that particular segment with this uh, Sarah Daloff uh, woman. Michael Mann, he's the uh, creator of the hockey stick graph showing how temperatures rise along with uh, the, the, the carbon footprint. You may have seen it in, uh, what was it, Al Gore's movie, Inconvenient Truth, that we've never seen. But I, I understand it was in there. Uh, anyway, we've had Michael Mann on this show many times, uh, Dr. Michael Mann. Uh, and thankfully, he showed up on MSNBC to say, well, you know what? No, it's not El Nino. Well, it's El Nino, but guess what else it is? It is climate change. We are seeing unprecedented weather, not just around the U.S., but around the world. And part of it is due to El Nino. But the fact that this is the strongest El Nino we have ever seen during what just finished up as the warmest year we have ever seen, um, that is due to climate change. Climate change is playing a role here, and climate change is no longer playing a subtle role. Uh, we are seeing the impacts of climate change in increasingly more devastating weather events, the flooding that we've seen, the extreme warmth in other areas, uh, the extreme flooding in, in the UK. Um, we are seeing the impacts of climate change now with our, two, uh, with our two eyes. Do you agree with the people who say that this could be the worst El Nino we've ever had? She goes back to El Nino. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you just look at the raw numbers, uh, the temperatures of the ocean in the eastern tropical Pacific right now are the highest they've ever been. Um, they warm up during an El Nino event, but right now they've warmed up more than they've ever warmed up before. That means this is, by that measure, the biggest El Nino on record, and global warming is part of it. The fact that the world oceans are warmer than they've ever been is part of why we're seeing such warmth in that region uh, of the oceans. And we know that when that region, the eastern tropical Pacific, gets warm enough, it impacts global weather patterns around the world. And so what we're seeing, to some extent, is the effect of El Nino, but it's an El Nino that has been supercharged by climate change. Your book is titled Dire Predictions, Understanding Climate Change. Take us through everything that the public cannot see uh, that, that makes it, that climate change makes a huge difference in. Yeah, well, what, what we can't see, I mean, the impacts of climate change are the veritable tip of the iceberg, which is to say that once the effects of climate change become this apparent, become this visible to us, it means that there's a whole lot of climate change now that's baked in that we haven't even seen yet. A whole a lot of climate change impacts that are going to get worse as the globe continues to warm uh, some amount just in response to the greenhouse gases we've already pumped into the atmosphere. So, uh, you know, think of the climate system Think of the global climate as an ocean tanker. You slam on the brakes, you don't come to a, a stop immediately. It's going to take some time to, to, to come to a stop. And that's why we have to bring our emissions down so dramatically in the years ahead, uh, because we don't want to bake in even more dangerous climate changes. Actually, that's why we need to uh, bring down our emissions, not in the years ahead, but in the years behind we should have done it long, long ago, and now we are paying the price. And the question is, how much of this climate change is already baked in the cake, no matter what it is that we do to try to stop it? It's very disturbing. That was Michael Mann. Uh, thankfully, uh, he was there uh, to straighten out MSNBC over the uh, over the holiday weekend after uh, after New Year's. Yeah. And, and one other thing that yep. he didn't mention in that particular clip is that we have already warmed one degree Celsius over pre-industrial times. 
And the limit that they've decided on at the Paris Treaty Conference at the UN is two degrees. So we're already halfway there, and we're already seeing these extreme, intense weather events happening more frequently and more intensely, pretty much records all along, one after the other. And that shows um, we still have we still have another degree or so that we're going to have to try to slow down. I can't imagine how much worse it can get. Well, start imagining. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. Let's try to take let's try to take some calls. I'll take a quick break and come back to your calls. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, uh, dozens of people were shot, shot each other on the day that Obama announced his new uh, uh, gun safety rules as executive actions on Tuesday. Uh, so are you for it or against it? Why or why not? Also, oh, tomorrow on the broadcast, I'm looking forward to speaking with Bev Harris of Black Box Voting about upcoming primary and caucus concerns. Though I admit I am not looking forward to the actual primaries and caucuses themselves, knowing what I know. Tune in tomorrow on the broadcast and you'll know what I know, too. Uh, so what are you looking forward or not looking forward to in this new year? Give us a call, 818-985-5735. I'll try to get to some of you as, uh, as quickly as we can after this last break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> Back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. It's also day five of the so-called Patriot Movement, holding the so-called Patriot Movement hostage up in Oregon. Yesterday on the broadcast, I interviewed Stuart Rhodes, president and founder of the Oath Keepers, who led the armed 2014 standoff against federal officials at the Bundy Ranch up in Nevada He's now uh, he's not throwing in with this uh, Bundy bunch up in Oregon this time. Uh, the a couple of sons of Cliven Bundy are part of that uh, a part of that situation up at the Malheur National Wildlife uh, Refuge. They've taken over the visitor center there. Uh, in any event, uh, Stuart Rhodes he's not going along with it this time, and he went so far as to admit that they were actually deceived by the Bundys back in 2014. Here's here's just one quick portion of what Stuart Rhodes had to say on the broadcast yesterday. We didn't go there to get cattle back. We went get we went there to get the to keep the Bundy family from being murdered. They then took advantage of that situation. And went and got their cattle back, but we went there originally just to protect them. The Bundys took advantage of you guys yeah, being there. So. Yeah, clearly, they didn't say, "Come help us, come help us, uh, arms," you know, with armed supporters yeah. to go uh, get our cattle back. That's not what they did. They said, "You know, we're about to be murdered. Come protect us." And so, Eamon Bundy um, has displayed the, the propensity to deceive people, and he's doing that right now. Oh, you don't say. The Bundys, they're deceptive, they're deceiving people, they're taking advantage of people. That was uh, Stuart Rhodes on the broadcast yesterday. He's the uh, president and founder of the Oath Keepers who led that uh, armed standoff with federal officials back in 2014. You can hear that whole interview uh, over at uh, bradblog.com, kpfk.org, over at iTunes, where you can download any of our shows. Yes, we do this five days a week. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's get to uh, some of our calls here. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Bill in Lake Elsinore. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. What's up, sir? 
Thank you, Brad. You bet. Well, I just wanted to point out that the profits involved in manufacturing weapons, like it takes one of the manufacturers $42 overhead to sell what they can sell for $850 plus. As long as that exists, the guns will exist. Because the NRA is uh, not actually a uh, a gun organization, not a rifle, a gun safety organization like they used to be. They're actually out there working for the arms manufacturing industry, period. End of story. Yeah, right. Are you in favor, Bill, are you in favor of Obama's executive actions? The the, the lowest hanging fruit, frankly, uh, that could possibly be done. Uh, are you in favor of uh, of what he's doing? It's just common sense, but it's still just, like you said, low-hanging fruit. Yep. Posturing, basically, is all it's going to accomplish. Well, I think there's only so much a president can do on their own with executive action, and I think there's some question about whether he can even do some of the executive actions that he's doing. That's going to have to be tested in a court of law. This needs to be, as he pointed out, uh, frankly, uh, during his announcement uh, in the East Room of the White House yesterday— we need to take it to the ballot box, and you know we well, need to make it clear that uh, you know make our voice be heard at the ballot box on this issue because without Congress we can't get anything done. But I feel if the profits weren't there, yeah, the guns would be gone tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, but the profits are there. Uh, th- thanks, Bill. I appreciate the call. Uh, let me go to uh, very quickly. Uh, let's go to Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, uh, what's on your mind, sir? Hey, sir, many sometimes I was reading about a storm that took place in the United Kingdom, and I remember reading about David Cameron saying, money is no object, money is no object, and they were describing the storm as being of biblical mm-hmm. proportions. Yep. Yeah, okay. So what are we going to do about oversight for Barbara uh, Wiseman's show, for the Democratic National Commission? What are we going to do about oh, it? Debbie, you, De- Debbie Wasserman Schultz you're talking about. Oh, is it Debbie? I, should, I apologize for uh, that. What are we going to do about Debbie? What, what, what's your problem with her? Well, the problem is now. I believe that she's catering uh, this this whole Democratic uh, primary towards mm-hmm. one candidate, and she's not opening it up for all Democratic candidates. I, I think she's kind of leaning towards a, a, her own favorite candidate, which is the corporate candidate. I don't want to, you know, mention any names. So, what do we do about? Isn't there some kind of oversight, someplace you can go to complain about how she's controlling the debates and 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 things like that? Uh, that corporate candidate. I'll mention the name. That corporate candidate you think she's supporting is Hillary Clinton and uh, and the debate schedule uh, in order to favor Hillary Clinton by uh, keeping the all the Democratic debates secretly on the weekends uh, so nobody could see them for some reason. Well, folks in Florida can, A, vote Debbie Wasserman Schultz out of office if they don't like it, and B— uh, you can uh, next time you get one of those uh, fundraising letters from the DNC, tell them, hell no, I ain't going to give my money to uh, to the DNC until Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, steps down. And frankly, maybe even then not give it to them. But that's what you can do. You can let them know uh, not one red cent until the DNC starts uh, starts playing fair with their candidates, Morris. Uh, no oversight, huh? Uh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, this is, this is how the process works. Here's the oversight. Again, it's that the ballot box, but you can't vote her out as head of the DNC. Only the people of Florida can vote her out because she is a sitting uh, sitting congresswoman. Thank you. Appreciate it. Man. Thanks, Morris. I appreciate it. Uh, 818-985-5735. We've got oh, just a minute or two left. Let me get to uh, Robert in Bell Gardens. Hey, Robert, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. Hi, Robert. What are you looking forward to this year? 
basically what I would suggest is that it is in the best interest of the United States of America and the world to re-legalize marijuana, the beneficial, versatile, historically legal marijuana cannabis hemp plant. <laughs> the specific re-legalization reasons I would state and would be prepared to discuss are freedom of thought, First Amendment, consciousness self-determination, and individual autonomy, the pursuit of happiness, inconsistent with America's economic system and America's political and social ethic, <laughs> privacy, justice, Eighth Amendment, Ninth Amendment, equal protection, medicine, food, fuel, fiber, environment, family farms, employment, tax revenues, budget deficit, trade deficit, prosperity, All right. crime, courts, all right, Robert, that, that, that is all very good. And frankly, I would let you continue on because I'm rather enjoying it. I'm pretty sure you are the movie phone guy, if I'm not mistaken. You sure sound like it. But I would let you go. Uh, but I got to get out because I got to get out. I got to end this show. Thanks, Robert. I, I appreciate your call. It sounds like you favor marijuana and it sounds like you might enjoy it. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, of course, and to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. My thanks also to G, our soundboard operator, and to my guest today, Ernie Canning. That's it. We'll be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at TheBradBlog. And via email, I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>